missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora Pirlo di Tecco, tiro, Hello everyone, welcome back to the Footy Fans Podcast, episode 16. Coming at you from another COVID slash health restriction uh, format. Just taking precautions yeah. once again, you know, during the whole holiday season. Um, getting together with family, with friends. It could be kind of iffy, so we're just doing this one remotely. Um, but you get to see our faces again, so hopefully yeah. you like it. If you don't, go fuck yourself. Drop, drop a comment. Yeah, yeah drop a comment know. if you like it or not. Hit that smash or smash that like button. Hit that smash. Hit the subscribe and bell for <laughs> notification. <laughs> I think that's what they say. All that yeah. jazz, yeah. yeah. Uh, Footy Fans Podcast once again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, holidays just passed. First, first and foremost, guys, happy holidays. Uh, Merry yeah. Christmas. Happy New Year. All that. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry holidays. Merry Christmas. Was, uh, was Santa you good to you boys this year? Santa was extra good to us this year. Um, you know, got to have my nephew uh, experience his first, like, cautious christmas because the last time he was two months old so he was a year and so he was walking around you know enjoying all his Mm -hmm. gifts um and then yeah just ate a lot of food you know italian style was good oh yeah mine was the same as santos (laughs) (laughs) you would think so eh? as you would think (laughs) no same here in the Oreo household my daughter was uh she turned two in april as you guys know so this is her first like actual like yeah conscious coherent christmas yep so she was jacked up Oh yeah, uh, Santa was very, <laughs> very. Uh, <laughs> oh, very, he spoiled, very. Nice he spoiled her. Yeah, he spoiled. <laughs> he spoiled her today, or uh, he spoiled her on Christmas for sure. Um, it's been a while since we've talked. Uh, about two or three weeks. Um, we took yeah. a little hiatus during the holidays. We let all the games go on and progress, and now this is our time to talk about them. So, I think in this pod, being it uh, the new year. Coming in 2022, we're going to do a bit of a recap of 2021 season with, you know, top four, top five, top six teams in mind. So we'll kind of break down, you know, what each team has accomplished um, from January of 2021 up until um, today. Uh, what is it? Today is January, what, third? Um, second. Second. second? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I know. See, I'm already gone on the dates. Uh, January 2nd. So, I mean, we'll break down, you know, the Chelsea winning Champions League. City obviously prevailing last season in, in the EPL and also kind of like how the 2022 season has already unfolded. Um, so that being said, I mean, Man City versus Arsenal yesterday, it had all the tellings of just a classic match. And I think that's kind of what we got. Yep. Um, it was high intensity from the start. I think it was like one of, even though the result didn't turn Arsenal in Arsenal's favor, I think it was one of their better performances that they put out the season so far um they've had some tight games they've had some close ones against Man united i remember they lost three two in a thrilling match earlier in the season but 
their performance against City kind of like exploited Man City a little bit at the back. I know Nathan yeah. Ake was starting um, instead of John Stones or even like another defender they could put in place. But I just think that the way that Arsenal came out, even with Arteta being off on COVID um, precaution, they were still able to perform pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, Arsenal really took it to them. And uh, you can even tell at the end of the game, even though they, they lost, you know, the fans were fully behind the team. I think uh, the fans felt it was kind of a hard done by loss, you know, with the PK and the last minute goal. And, you know, Rodri kind of instigating the fans after he scored. And, you know, we had an array of uh, bottles and I think toilet paper being thrown on the field at Rodri after he scored. So it was it was a super exciting game. Great way to start off 2022. Uh, but yeah, Arsenal, I think, deserved to win in the end. Um, and they, they unfortunately had to be the brunt of City just finding another way to win. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that was probably Arsenal's at least top five for sure best performances this year. Oh, you top five. Lost. Yeah, I guarantee top five. Yeah, if not the best. Um, yeah. So I think they're going to take a lot of positives from that. You know, it's actually surprising. It might be they could take more positives out of that than some of the games they won against Norwich or what have you. Say like, hey, we went against City, who have been steamrolling a bunch of people, and we were, but like for sure in the first half, the better team, maybe throughout the whole ninety minutes. Um, so that's really going to give them a confidence boost, and if they can continue continue that uh, for the whole season, I think they're really going to make a push for the top four. I know there's a a few teams now. I know, Man U's getting some traction. Tottenham's has a few games in hand. They could creep in there, mm-hmm. but it's going to be tight. And I think Arsenal's right in the mix now. Yeah, like with COVID going on right now too, and like how some of the games are being postponed, some are being delayed, and all that. I feel like it's kind of being unfair to some teams. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like like what we're doing here in North America, especially with hockey, is that we're just shutting the season down basically for a certain period of time, so that all teams mm-hmm. can kind of either get their COVID cases out of the way or just recover or just try and prevent it even more from happening in the EPL. It's like, you got these two teams here that aren't going to play, but then 40 kilometers down the road, these two teams are going to go play. Yeah. And teams are missing games here and there. So like you said, you got teams like United that are four points behind Arsenal right now, but they have two games at hand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, they play those games, they win. I'm not exactly sure who they're going to play, but they make those two games up. They're two points ahead now. It's true. And they're sitting in that fourth place spot. So it's kind of weird yeah. how the last few weeks um, I've kind of played out. And I know some managers are even like protesting. They're kind of saying like, we want our game to be canceled because we're having three guys that are out. And the, the FA, for whatever reason, are just kind of pushing to the side and saying, no, you guys can still play. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the exact regulations are. It's not very clear cut, I don't think. But even like the it was last week, to, uh, Thomas Tuchel was saying for Chelsea, like we want our game postponed, and they're like, no, you guys got to play. Yeah. The game against Brighton actually, and they're just like, no, you guys got to play, and they're like, well, <laughs> we have three guys in COVID protocol. Like, why do you mean we have to play? Like last game was canceled. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, it's very, very gray for sure. Yeah, uh, you have you know the top teams. Um, it was surprising because even this weekend there were, I think several teams where they were just short benched, you know, they, they brought up some people, but they still couldn't even fill up a bench uh, for their team, which is something you'd never hear of in the EPL, right? Call me up and I'll, I'll fly to England right now. I'll fly to London. Like (laughs) call up Andrea Oreo, fill in the, I'll sit on that bench all you want, man. Just sign me up for one game. Just to say I made it, you know? 
it's it's interesting because even the game City and Arsenal, there were there were so many kind of uh, um, disclaimers on the game, like you know Arteta's out, and then even Cancelo, um, you know, he had a super rough week with someone yeah, breaking like, into his house, almost robbed yeah, or something. Yeah, he well, they, he did get robbed. He had people yeah. break to his house, and then he like tried to you know defend him and his family, and the guys like mugged him basically. So he had like this massive cut on his face. And, yeah. Then you know he's playing several days later. I did not know that happened. So, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So he like fought off some guys. Like yeah, he had like markings on his like over his eyebrow and somewhere else. I thought he's. I thought. I thought he'd probably be on the bench for that game, but I mean, I guess he was kind of forced into playing. Yeah, because they were so short. Yeah, um, so it's just stuff like that, right? You got people who are playing that might not have been playing in other circumstances. Yeah. So obviously. City prevailed 2-1 that match. I think one minor takeaway that has been talked about a lot was the no call on the initial PK for Arsenal, potentially, in the first half there. Yep. I forget who it was that actually drove the line and then got fouled. Well, fouled. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those cases, again, where it's like you, it's it's very clear cut to the viewer, and they mm-hmm. obviously have VAR for a reason, but from the reverse angle that I saw, the player from Arsenal drove the line and Emerson Emerson came out and just fouled him. Like it was a foul. Yeah. Like it was clear. I mean, yeah. It's when and you that, that when you turns hear the game it, that turns the game on its head completely. If that's yeah. if that's put the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, initially I didn't think it was a foul, and then when I saw the reverse angle, it's fairly clear that he hits his uh, his foot first. So and yeah, I don't want it to change the game completely. I don't want to turn this to like a whole VAR podcast because like we, we've done it a thousand times. But when the referee misses the call, that's one thing because if his angle might be off, it might be blocked by players in the way. But that's why you have VAR for those reverse angle shots for yeah. the uh, other official to see what the referee might have missed. And when they mm-hmm. showed that behind the net angle, like it was just clear as day. Yeah. And, and for them not to give the penalty, I mean, that was kind of harsh. I mean, at home. You know, at mm-hmm. at Emirates State at um yeah, Emirates Stadium and like just that would have turned the game on its head for sure. Yeah. Especially in the first half like that. Yeah, yeah and I think that's why Arsenal felt they were kind of like hard done by. Um because yeah, that could have transformed everything and Arsenal may have come out with the win if they would have got a goal on the PK. And then even yeah. like on the reverse side too, like the foul that was Bernardo. from Jacka, like it was again, it was like very similar, but I think Honestly, I think uh, the shirt pull is what did it. Yeah, but I mean, the shirt pull is there. But as a referee, you have to look at the momentum and like the the force and the effort being exerted on that shirt pull. It's not enough to bring a player down to the ground. Yeah, and I think that's where like he was kind of looking for it, but there was enough in it. Where because I think it was like. I think, I think clever is the wrong word, but, but you know, he was kind of looking for it, but the way Jacka kind of pulled his shirt, like it was enough that if you go down, it could be a call. And I think that was a situation because even Jacka, when he saw it on the replay thought, even with that, it wasn't a PK and Bernardo Silva thought like, it's clearly a PK. Look at it. I, I would probably say it's a PK. Um, Cause you know, if you, if you're flat footed and you pull a guy's shirt, you're asking for trouble. If you're doing that in the box, 
So yeah. I think Shaka could have just like defended better and he just got turned inside out. And I don't know why he tried to pull Bernardo Silva's shirt, to be honest, but paid the consequences, unfortunately. I think, I think one of the, one of the funniest things though about that was they showed the referee like right away after the, the foul took place. And he just right away, like threw his hand up, like get up, get up. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he was so like, this is my decision. Like you're, you, you need to get fouled, get off the field, get up, yeah, get up, yeah. get up. They go to VAR and he's just like, oh. yep. Ooh, penalty. Like, yep. I mean, it's it's tough. It's a tough gig for the referees. We said it before. Um, I do like the enthusiasm of him, like thinking he made the right call in the field. Mm-hmm. Because more times than not, I feel like we see the referee being kind of like weary about his call. Because yeah. he has like VAR in his back pocket, right? Like, even if I make a mistake here, like they can still double check it. So they kind of like are a little more lenient on the call. Because mm-hmm. they know, oh, if I make a mistake here, it'll get checked. That's not a big deal. But whoever it was yesterday, I forget the referee exactly, but he made it like his mission to be like, nah, <laughs> man, get up. Like, that's not a foul. Like, I love how he, he just yeah. owned it. Yeah. And then they do the VAR check and he's just like, oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting now because even when, uh, you know, they're reviewing the play and then it gets called over to the to the box, right? All the fans know where it's going to get turned oh, over yeah. because there's no reason you're going to get called over if there's not a good chance it's going to get turned over. Yeah. Um, and then it was. And that was that was a big turning point. Obviously. All right. So Joe, from Man City's standpoint, how would you sum up their 2021 season like as a whole? I mean, oddly enough, I think it's similar to what they've always been like. You know, I think the last couple of seasons it seems like it's been close between them and the other front runners. And then at some point in the season, they just start they're just more consistent and they start pulling away. I think that happened last year. I think it happened the year before that. And we're seeing it again this year where it's just they're that little bit more consistent than everyone else. And that's what gets them over the line to win these titles. So other than the Champions League loss, I would say it's been, you know, more of the same, which is just them being in first. But do you think it's consistency based upon player performance or do you think it's by team structure? Do you think it's by how Pep works them? Do you think it's like as a whole? Like, do you think it's Man City as a whole, or do you think they just have standout players that can just push them to the next level? Well, I think Roy Keane mentioned this. I think it's both. They have these world-class players, but they have a manager that can manage that kind of talent in a way to get the best out of them, which is, you know, it's hard on its own. So So I I really really think think it's just a combination of world-class players and obviously the best manager in the world, I think. So I think it's that's what I would say. So, like, would you count their season as a, as a success? Like, their their calendar year? It's tough because Pep would probably not think so. He would say, no, I have to win Champions League. Yeah, that's, like, the that's, one thing that's kind of, like, hanging yeah. over their heads, right, with the in the city brass. Yeah. Yeah. I At most club standards, it would be a success, but I feel like Pep, similar with Bayern, he's not going to feel like it's successful until he wins Champions League. And now, do you think Man City consider it successful if they lose the EPL but win Champions League? More so than the other way around? Honestly, I think so. Yeah, I would think if they, like, hey, we won Champions League, that's, you know, what we want. Um, I think he would take that, to be honest. Well, yeah. now, I, I mean, he came here to win Champions League, so I think yeah. he would obviously take it. But 
in all honesty, I think it's harder to win the EPL, you know, especially year after year, you know, you're finishing top of the league in a league of 20, you know, tournament, you know, anything can happen. Obviously you're playing against the best teams, but always in a tournament, any team can win. Um, or the EPL, you're not just going to win by a fluke or, you know, having a lucky game, having a fortune go for you in the finals. Um, you're going to win because you're the best team in the league, right? Yeah, like the Champions League title is obviously the most elusive thing that they're chasing. And yeah. with Pep winning before, he knows the pedigree. He knows like what it takes to win and to get to that level. And like City's been so close, obviously. Like not just the season against like the previous season against Chelsea in the final, but I mean, either even other seasons, like, they've been to semifinals and they've been quarterfinals and they like just missed out by, yeah, you know, one goal in aggregate or, you know, a uh, extra time goal or something. So yeah. they've had a lot of heartbreak. And oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I would still count this season as a, as a success because they were able to deal with the struggle of all of last year with COVID and like the different protocols mm-hmm. and all that taking place. And they just kind of show their class. Um, Heading into the Champions League final against Chelsea, they were the favorite and it just took one goal yeah, for yeah. them to lose the title or for them to lose the, the, the final. So, I mean, that could have gone either way. That could have been 50-50 game. So, I mean, we could have talked about them having the treble this year and like being just an outstanding yeah. like all-time team. But I think now going forward, that's going to be like their main objective. Yeah, they're 10 points ahead right now, basically, and it's in the title. So, I'm not. they're not going to take, you know, any time off. They're not going to try and downplay the season at all and just focus on Champions League. But now they kind of have that cushion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where before, if they were worried about, you know, guys missing games because they have Champions League coming up, they got to rest a little bit. Now they can rest during the Premier League and be yeah. fit and be fit for Champions League. Yeah. Now they can yeah. rest players like Mares and Sterling, whoever they want, De Bruyne, De Bruyne especially. They can rest him yeah. in a game against Watford because now they have Champions League. Yeah. As opposed to the opposite, you know, focusing more on the title. Yeah. And I think that's what was pretty impressive last year where, you know, they started off uh, the new year. Um, terribly, you know, in a terrible position, and uh, they they managed to claw back and win the league by a mile, and then also come and get to the finals of Champions League. So I thought that was that was really impressive by them, you know, being able to to do both, go the go the distance in both, um, because that takes a lot of work to be that far behind and then come back and win the EPL, right? Um, so this year is going to be interesting to see how they how they perform with having this much of a cushion. Cause I don't think any team's lost with this amount of, uh, uh, points ahead with everything. I mean, I, for a selfish standpoint, I kind of hope it does happen this year. <laughs> yeah. This is obviously hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just to talk about, you know, a team that they did face in the final Chelsea in 2021, basically the epitome of an up and down season. Yeah. Like from, from going as like from firing Lampard in in January of 2021, basically starting fresh this entire calendar year with Thomas Ducal. Um, the bright start that he got once he came to Chelsea, they only get they got that manager bump that you know the new guy in town kind of thing. They started to play a little bit better. Um, that really showed uh, the beginning of last season when he got there in January, and they're able to run off a couple wins here and there. Obviously you know, massive wins in the Champions League against Atletico and Real Madrid, like just huge teams. Mm-hmm. And then to get to the final against Man City, that was obviously like their bread and butter of last season. 
like when Lampard got sacked, the season was already so far gone that they yeah. basically only had one thing to focus on. Yeah, they, they were out of the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup. That was had nothing to do with them anymore. They were so far out of the uh, Premier League title that all they basically had was Champions League. So they yeah. put everything that they had in the Champions League. Clearly, it paid off. I mean, as a whole, I would probably count 2021 as a success from a Chelsea standpoint because it has been a couple of years since we had any trophies for the team. Mm-hmm. And then winning, um, obviously, the Champions League title and the Super Cup title or whatever it's called or some other yeah made-up tournament. <laughs> um, coming away with those two, uh, you know, those two trophies on on the team bus. Coming home with those are are huge. Yeah, and then obviously the bright start to this season. You know, they were first place for their first two months of the year. Yeah, right? yeah. On comes now. You think it's they're out of it now? Uh, I mean, the last month or so has been a really rough run of form. And um, injuries, injuries have played a, a key factor. I mean. Injuries, saying injuries is like the easiest excuse in the book, but when it, when it's impactful players and impactful positions, then it really affects the team. And, and, you know, Ben Chihuahua getting, uh, getting hurt and almost gone for the whole season now with an ACL injury. Um, Reese James being out, Lukaku, Werner, like your goal scorers, your guys that you look to to score. That's a tough break to get. Yeah. It's basically Lukaku and then like your backup to Lukaku got hurt. So they're just gone for number nine. So they obviously had to change formations around a little bit and clearly it, it worked out in some cases. I mean, they rattled up a seven nil win against Norwich was like crazy. Yeah. And then they, they, they had four out of the last five games they've drawn yeah. against teams like Watford and Brighton. So like, it's been, it's been an up and down season, um, especially the last couple of weeks or so. I mean, a 10 point, is it 10 points, 11 points. Uh, it's 10 right now. Yeah. I mean, a 10 point gap in, in the middle or in the beginning of January with only, you know, four or five months left plus Champions League games where it's going to um, hurt you a little bit on the on the fitness side. I don't see Man City faltering. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. Like it, It's tough to maybe, they, you know, they could drop one game, but then that's what nine. That's seven points. Mm-hmm. Like from from a one game swing, Chelsea wins a game, City loses a game, seven points still gap. Yeah, that's not going to happen four more times in the season. Yeah, and that's assuming Chelsea doesn't uh, drop anymore, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. And I mean, look at the table. I think Chelsea has seven draws this year. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Like you, you turn four of those around. Quick math. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. It's eight points. Like you know, it's eight more points to close the gap to two points against City. Like it's yeah. it's a tale of, um, you know, some unlucky breaks. It's a tale of some poor defending, which Chelsea's kind of prided themselves on the last year under Tuchel it's been like their biggest um you know strong suit and giving up late goals it's yeah. happened time and time again there's been many times where Chelsea takes the lead and you think that they're you know in a comfortable position they kind of get complacent they don't push anymore they don't get any more attacking they kind of sit back and defend going back to like what Mourinho used to do 10 years ago yeah which is crazy <laughs> in this day and age of of the game um but it, it comes to it comes to bite them in the ass and it costs them like a game against Brighton, game against Watford, game against um well this is another one. Um I mean the game against Leeds where they where they won in the ninetieth minute, that was still like a super yeah. tight game. Yeah. 
that they almost blew in the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game and they got lucky with another PK. Um, so, so Everton, that's the, that's the draw against Everton. Yeah. Where, where do you think it's, it's next for the whole Lukaku saga? I mean, he kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit with, those comments, with those comments. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it, Tuchel, Tuchel can't not, you know, keep him out of the side because if, he, if right. Lukaku says that and then he keeps him in the side, then it's like, you know, he loses respect for Tuchel, right? Yeah, Tuchel had to kind of step up a little bit and, and like show who's boss. If you guys don't know, Romelu Lukaku had an interview with Sky Italia. I think it actually took place a couple of weeks ago and it just came out now, mm-hmm. which is kind of fitting timing. Yeah. Um, but he was saying how he's basically missing his time at Inter. Uh, he made a comment talking about Lutaro Martinez, his teammate at Inter, saying how, it was, I mean, this is all, um, what's, the, what's the word? This speculation. Is all, um, speculation. No, it's, what's the word? Uh, well, Rumors. I'm talking, but it's not the real words. Phrasing. Paraphrasing. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But this conversation between Lukaku and, and Martinez saying how when Lukaku signed with Chelsea, Martinez said, oh, like, should I try and come with you? And Lukaku basically said, oh, don't worry, I'll be back. Saying that he'll be back at Inter. He said he mentioned that in the interview. Uh, he was saying he was, he was kind of disgruntled and he wasn't playing the system he was promised to by Tuchel when he said, you're going to come to the team. So, I mean, these are all things that behind closed doors between the manager and the player should be kind of kept, kept behind closed doors mm-hmm. and not put out there in the media. So I think on him, that's kind of poor, uh, poor yeah. not poor business, but like poor sportsmanship on behalf of like Chelsea and, and who you represent. Well, because if he didn't come out and say that, I'm assuming Tuchel probably would have played him today. You would think so. But <laughs> like one of the biggest games of the season, but you can't. No, I, 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 I'm proud of what Tuchel did because he has to step up and show like kind of who's boss and who's in charge of the team. Yeah. I mean, you can't have a player talking poor about the team, about the manager. Um, and especially the player guys, high profile as Lukaku is, if it was like some youth Academy player or something, they would kind of get brushed under the rug, but this is your hundred million dollar man. And he's, he's coming out saying how he's not satisfied with how the team's playing. And he's basically taking shots at the club. And I, yeah, I guess I'm proud of what, of what Tuchel did by kind of standing his ground and saying, okay, you talk about this. I'm sure he said he talked to Lukaku a couple of times, like sat him down and had like a one-on-one, but for him to, you know, put his foot down and say, okay, this is how I'm going to like quote punish you by not playing you in one of the biggest games of the season. And Chelsea almost squeaking out a win in a very sketchy game. Yeah. Kind of shows like, okay, like we might not need you. Like we do need you. We would love to have you, but like, we can still play without you if this is yeah. your mentality. Yeah. Which scares the hell out of me because if they sell Lukaku, it's a huge loss. Yeah. Both yeah. In, Another more bad business. It's loss in, yeah, it's loss in the finances and it's a loss in just player talent overall for the team. Yeah. So that kind of scares me a little bit, but I'm sure, you know, cooler heads will prevail. That whole cliche stuff. They'll talk about it in team meetings. Maybe, you look, maybe Lukaku will get talked to by sports psychologists or something. I don't know. Like, Get some media training and just be like, don't be talking about the team like that because this is the team. Like you can't, yeah. you can't, you know, speak poorly about, uh, with the team that you're playing for. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was the right move and um, we'll see. I mean, I know we talked a little bit before where, you know, Lukaku ending up at Man City <laughs> filling in that number nine gap. 
Uh, obviously don't know, uh, if that'll happen, but we'll see come, uh, January, what craziness happens. Well, we're in January. So whatever happens by the end of this month. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Kind of related to that, you know, the contrast between Liverpool and city kind of really showed over the last year because, um, with city, Joe was talking about how, with the depth of their team and the the quality that they have where they're really consistent and they can get those results, you know, obviously with Liverpool winning uh champions league and then winning the, uh, the EPL in recent history, then just really, I wouldn't even call it, I wouldn't call it collapse, but just really doing poorly after they had their injury struggles at the end of last year. And it just goes to show that there are a few injuries away from, from not being able to compete and, and I think I it's, it's it's good for them, them where, where Mo Salah, you know, he he really stepped up, you know, especially in the last several months. A lot of people are calling him just kind of a, a one-season wonder. Um, you know, he had his breakout season with Liverpool and then just kind of was in the team. He was performing well, but he wasn't playing at the level I think a lot of people were expecting him to. And just this year, he kind of put all those uh, those questions to rest with just how he's been performing lately. Because he's honestly just Belanda or material with how he's been performing, right? Um, just the goals he scored against City, um, and just yeah. even today his goal. We were talking about it. <laughs> where it just fell off my seat with the with the jockey on uh, Alonso, and then just putting it near post on Mendy, like in such quick concession too, right? He brings it down, and his third touch is beating Alonso, and then he just puts it near post on Mendy, like that's. That's probably one of the hardest things you can do in one of those situations. You have mm-hmm. no room to work with, right? Yeah. I and, would so go ahead. And I was just gonna say, you know, Mendy being the the world class goalkeeper that he is, just you know, he most solid just made it look easy against, you know, yeah, he froze best, them. one of the best teams and best goalies. I mean, I, Marcus Alonso was not really met, uh, not really known for his defensive abilities. I felt like Marcus Alonso watching mm-hmm. that play because i literally like i was watching the game super engaged obviously yep watching the game solid did that and i literally was like on the couch and i did this like i stopped like i I moved with salad and i just i stopped in my seat and then watched the goal go in and i literally almost fell off the couch i texted <laughs> you guys that i'm like i almost i literally almost fell i was like oh like what just happened yeah like that head yeah. fake was just like so subtle which yeah. is what that's what he does. Like he's not. I mean the the, the age old thing about like Ronaldo or Messi, like who's better, who's like the greater player. Mm-hmm. They're so different in what they do, and yeah. just like they're good, they're different in what they're good at. Ronaldo's all about pace and spin, like just power and just strength, and Messi's like agility, quickness, like quick lateral movements, and that's kind of like what Mo Salah does. And I remember one of the pundits were saying how like Mo Salah is kind of the closest thing to Lionel Messi that we have now. Mm-hmm. like Messi in his prime I know Messi's still Messi but I mean Messi of like six seven eight years ago yeah they're saying that Mo Salah is kind of like the most comparable player that we have out there yeah and with the moves that he did today like it was so easy yeah you know he wasn't doing like 30 step overs and some crazy like Rabona like mm-hmm. move it was just one little head fake just took Alonso completely out of the play and then yeah he froze Mendy who was one of the Premier League goalkeeper of the year last season yeah like just all within all within just quick movements you know yeah 
wild five seconds wild looking far post and just and that's a hard finish you know near yeah. post and uh just being able to put, put it away, away. super, super impressive. impressive i mean, I mean he's, he's he's been one of my top players for the last month or two months uh just because he's kind of brought it to another level for himself uh hopefully he gets recognition um with a blonde or win um because obviously Messi won it this year questionable whether he should have uh i think he even said that Lewandowski probably should have won but yeah we'll see what's next for most all if he can keep this up and uh what recognition he's, he's gonna get because i think he deserves it he's been you know top shelf for them yeah i mean i don't this next bound door coming up like the 2022 20, 23 one whatever it is <laughs> i can't see it going to Messi or ronaldo no i don't think not this year it, Man U is not going to win the title or Champions League, and PSG is not going to win Champions League, and they're probably going to win the French title, but it's not going to be because of Messi. So if it goes to one of them, then it's going to be a bunch of red flags going up. It's like, okay, is this just the Messi-Ronaldo <laughs> award? Like, what the hell? Um, yeah. But no, if I had it, like, so far, I could see Mo Salah winning it. Just the big question mark is going to be, like, does he deserve it if he only wins top score in the EPL and Liverpool doesn't win the league, doesn't win Champions League, and you know, his country doesn't win you know, any major, you know, domestic titles. You know, we'll have to see. Well, they're going off to the African Cup of Nations right now. Uh, yeah, a whole slew of Premier League talent. Kind of unfortunate that it's not um, covered as much as it should be. Yeah. Um, you know, with all like the great players that are going to be there, like, you know, Sadio, Sadio Mane, Salah, um, you know, players from Chelsea, like Mendy's going to be there. Uh, Naby Keita from, from Liverpool as well. Like tons of guys are going to be there, but we don't really get the coverage as they should up here in, uh, in Canada. Um, the last, the one last thing I will say about Mo Salah and, and Liverpool, Chelsea's, uh, Chelsea acquired from FC Basel for nine point three five million in twenty fourteen. They sold for twenty five million, twenty sixteen to Roma, who then sold to Liverpool for thirty eight and a half million in twenty seventeen. I, I rest my case. Yeah, he's. And he's what's he worth now? <laughs> what is four hundred billion dollars? No, his uh, current <laughs> transfer market uh, worth is I don't know one hundred ten million. Yeah. We had him for nine. You had him. You had a lot of guys. No. Joe, stop it. Here he did. I knew, we can do an entire podcast on the players that Chelsea had. Entire podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And we, do, we basically do a starting 11. <laughs> starting 11, that would probably win Champions League of all the players Chelsea's had. Of current players, too. Yeah. Not even like players that were like 10 years ago that we might have lost, or whatever. Current players. The only one we got back yeah. is Lukaku. We paid an arm and a leg for him. Yeah, and I might be leaving again. <laughs> he doesn't want to be here. <laughs> doesn't even want to be on the team. Uh, yeah, so um, we'll see how the 2022 unfolds for Liverpool. I think they're also out of it, bearing a disaster for Man City, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, yeah. So obviously, I think they, oh, you know, obviously they're going to try to do their best in the EPL, but I think um, they might start putting a lot of focus on Champions League making that the primary goal for the year. Um, Cause I think Klopp might have too much respect for Pep um, where, you know, I think you, you wouldn't be a manager at the top level if you don't think you can always win. 
but right. I think they are going to just reshuffle their priorities um, realistically to try and give them the best chance to have a successful season and win some silverware. Um, it, yeah, it's unfortunate that, I mean, it's hard to say because we were so blessed with how the season kind of panned out in the first four months and how competitive mm-hmm. it was. And every day we were saying how, oh man, like the separation from first to fifth is only like four points or something. Now you're seeing a disconnect. And yep. I know I know Joe is a big proponent about saying like wait till Christmas break, wait till December, wait till injuries kind of come into play. And that's starting to happen and unfold a little bit. And I mean, excellence kind of prevails, right, with Man City and how they've always kind of played. Mm-hmm. And their depth. Their depth is huge. Yeah. Like and this it, thing. It, it, like they have so many players that are one A, one B, as opposed to other teams yeah. where it's like, we need our number nine today. We need our number ten. We need Salah. We need Pulisic, we need Mount, you know. Um, and then like Man yeah. City is just like next man up. Yeah. yeah. And they win. Yeah. And Pep's kind of talked about it in the past too, right? Where, you know, he came from Spain to play in the EPL and he wasn't a fan of how packed uh, the EPL gets in December because you're playing seven, eight games in one month, you know, right. from, yeah. and it, it takes a toll on, you know, your players and it really shapes you know, where you're going to sit for uh, the remainder of the season. Cause that's, it's a lot of points to, to gain or to drop if you have a really bad month. Right. Um, the fact that man city just got through it with winning every single game um, squeaking through some, but it just goes to show where uh, when you have like a one, a one B scenario, it's, it's really, it really puts you at a, at an advantage against teams that, you know, you're just trying to fill spots or you have players missing from COVID and then it's just out of your control to try and get results. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, players are one thing. Managers are another thing missing from COVID. Uh, Jurgen Klopp today was missing um, mm-hmm. from the Liverpool game. And then yesterday with uh, Arsenal and Man City, Arteta also missing um, the game against City. Joe, what do you think uh, Arsenal has done this year that either kind of shows like what they can progress to become or is it kind of still like the same Arsenal we saw before where they're just learning and a little inexperienced? I wouldn't say they're inexperienced, but um, I think we're starting to see what the long-term plan is, you know, and to be honest, I'm actually surprised it's coming to fruition this quickly. I think it goes to show how good of a job Arteta is doing. So to be honest, I could see them being a really solid top four team you know, in the next next few years. So I know they had a rocky start, but oh, yeah. you know, Arteta is starting to prove himself. So <laughs> Rocky start to say rocky the least. He's been about, <laughs> to get, about to get relegated. We had relegation <laughs> battle on our mind for the first five weeks. First three yeah. weeks of the podcast, when's Arteta getting fired and is Arsenal going to get relegated? I mean, good thing they <laughs> wow. stuck with him though, because now, yeah. you know, they're, they're in a really good spot. Uh, I think, you know, as long as he continues this, I know managers in the EPL are very short-lived. So if he can keep this up, you know, hopefully finish top four this year and then next year show that it wasn't like a one-season fluke. Yeah. I think it'll go to show that, hey, there's actually a plan and not just, you know, smoke and mirrors. But we'll have to see. We won't really know till I would say, next year about Mm. what's going on at Arsenal. It's going to be tough to say. Yeah, like when it comes to teams and like historically and longevity with managers, the one A and one B have always been United and Arsenal. 
Yeah. Look at the what Ferguson's done since the nineties. And then his comparable was obviously Arsene Wenger with, with Arsenal. So like when Fergie left back in 20, whatever it was, 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. uh, Wenger was still sticking around. And I feel like Arsenal fans and United fans were kind of looking at the replacements that were coming in for, for Ferguson. And they're like, Oh man, like this is not the same team that we were like we once were. And yep. I think Arsenal fans were so disgruntled with what Wenger was continuing to do with the team. And they wanted him out so bad. They were obviously chanting like Wenger out, putting the signs out. They were like renting airplanes and flying over the stadium saying Wenger out. Yeah. But I don't think they were still prepared for what was going to come in. Cause they didn't know. I mean, Arteta wasn't like the first man on the job. I don't think like he wasn't the first like guy that they, that they yeah. thought of bringing in. But he's kind of the one that just slid into the spot. I mean, he was obviously with Pep and Man City. So he kind of learned under him and, like, you know, had the tutelage of Pep for mm-hmm. a couple of seasons to kind of, like, get a grasp of how to manage a, uh, manage a club. But I don't think... I, I think Arsenal fans, like, are still Arsenal fans. And they just want <laughs> results, like, now. Yeah. Which yeah. is hilarious. And I don't know if it's, like, kudos to them or kudos to... Um, you know, the guys in charge for keeping Arteta as long as they have, because we said it before. When you go from having, I mean, like the career that Wenger had with Arsenal, or again, related to back to United, the career that or the career that Ferguson had with United, like you're literally coming from like the greatest you've ever had to like the yeah. next person. <sighs> so like you can't compare the two. No. Arsenal Big fans still wanted to. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, credit to Wenger for still being around as long as he did. But at the same time, he didn't win anything from like 20, 2004, basically, and on. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal, was, they haven't won the EPL title in almost 15, 20 years, whatever it is now. So he was still winning FA Cups and being competitive and all that. But Arsenal still wants titles. They want EPL titles. And... When Arteta came into the fold a couple seasons ago, you know, the results weren't there. It wasn't what they wanted exactly. But like you said, he's had a plan. He's had a structure. He's had some, you know, something in mind of like, okay, this is our two to three year plan. We're going to bring in youth. We're going to mix the players up here and there. And like, we're seeing it now with like, yeah. with, um, uh, Saka and, and, uh, and uh, Smith Rowe and like, these players, they're coming into their, their shoes you know they're, they're starting to play a lot better yeah and so i give credit for you know the brass at arsenal to like keep arteta there i give credit to the fans for actually being supportive now and being like fully <laughs> behind a manager because that's huge right like if you, yeah like if you're a club that has like a, a lame duck manager and like you know he's gonna get sacked in the season like it's like why are you even there yeah but they're actually rallying behind arteta and in the last five games i mean they got four wins out of five obviously the loss against city was heartbreaking with the way yeah. they played but they kind of show that they can still hang with the big boys. And mm-hmm. I mean, City had a... I'll give credit to Arsenal when it's due, but City also had a down game. Like, yeah, they, did, they didn't play good. No, it was not nearly as close as they can play like any top performance. Yeah, like I think all three of us agree that City probably should have lost that game. Yeah. Maybe not, I would, maybe, maybe like 60-40, like loss-to-draw ratio. Mm-hmm. Like... Arsenal definitely played good enough to get a draw and they played for sure good enough to get a win. Yeah. So I, I mean, think credit it, to Arsenal for they set the pace in the first half. Yeah. 
And I think City was maybe surprised, which maybe led to them not being able to get a foothold on the game. So, you know, credit to them for, you know, just coming out and going, like you said, toe-to-toe with the big boys. And, you know, I think they've gave City a challenge that they haven't had all season, you know, being on the back foot for that long. So, you know, good things happening there for sure for Arsenal. So we've said before in the pod that they kind of need some strength in the midfield, um, a leader to the team. Do, you, do we still think that's like what they, that, that, that's, that's like the missing link for Arsenal. It's kind of like what they still need to be able to excel to the next level. Yeah. I think they need someone who's won an EPL title before. On the yeah. Team. That's a good point. And to captain the team. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know if they have anyone on the team that has won one. I don't think so. Or anyone well, on the no. coaching staff. No. Um, I think I think, Lac- I think Lacazette might have won with like Leon or something. Yeah, uh, Aubameyang with Dortmund. He's been close. I don't know if he actually won. Mm-hmm. But other than I mean, that, they're all kids. Kind of, kind of going to that point though. Um, you know, because right now you have you have Shaka, uh, captaining the team a lot of times, yeah. especially with Aubameyang kind of uh, not in it right now. Yeah. Um, I think really having a solid leader on the team is going to make a big difference for Arsenal. Uh, Cause you have, you know, shock is the one that gave away the PK with the shirt pull. You know, I, we talked about how it might've been soft, but you know, you have a defender like Tiago Silva or um, Sergio Ramos or any of those guys, you're not going to have tackles like that happen in the box and give away PKs like that. Usually, I mean, obviously it happens, but um I think that's a key that Arsenal's missing right now is just having that leadership on the field. Yeah. And I think that'll go a long way for them. They've kind of like built their core. Like having Ramsdale and net is like huge. Like that's your goal for the future forever. Yeah. That's massive Mm -hmm. for them. Um, Having, having Saka and Smith Rowe as like your anchors in the midfield in the middle and on the wing, that's your future. Right. Um, you can kind of bring in a world-class striker. I know Lacazette and Aubameyang are aging. You can maybe bring somebody in who's got a little more, you know, pep to them. I mean, Martinelli is another player who's done really well for them. He kind of plays on the wing or as a striker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he kind of fluctuates. Yeah. Fluctuates between the two positions. But again, like another young kid, he's like 20 years old. So right there, yep. you got like, Ramsdale and Nett. Uh, Colin Tierney on the wing as a wing back has like really proven himself this season. Um, you know, the back line, you can kind of mix up here and there a little bit, but other than that, you got four or five players in their early, early twenties Yeah. that if they, you know, adapt the Arsenal way and they don't want massive, massive contracts that Arsenal can't afford, which I'm sure they can afford, they got money, but if they, you know, don't demand to leave the club, you got five players there for the next 10 seasons. Yeah. That's like your core. And they're yes. only going to get better. I mean, they're, they're performing as well as they are now at a super youthful age with, you know, with more seasons under their belt and more, um, you know, players that can come in that can teach them a little bit, like teaching the ropes. You could see Emil Smith-Rowe being their Arsenal captain in five seasons. Yeah. You could see Ramsdale being the captain from the back line. You know, these could be like their core guys for the next 10 years. So if you, you can build around these guys, I think Arsenal's got a pretty bright future ahead of them. Obviously, the slow start to this season has kind of set them back this year, but you know they never had Premier League title expectations on their on their minds. Yep. 
Um, getting back to Europe was probably their number one goal, whether it be Europa League or Champions League, obviously more favorable for Champions League. But, I mean, I think they've over... Huh? Have they overachieved? Maybe. Um, maybe. I don't know, actually. It's, maybe. That's a good point. I would say maybe a little bit right now. I don't think anyone really expected them to be at this point at Christmas with the start that they had. Right. Um, even sorry, even heading into the season though, I didn't expect them to be as high as they are. Like heading yeah. into the year, I didn't mm-hmm. think they were gonna be top four. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I would have expected like maybe sixth. Right, kind of. If they finished sixth, it's like season. oh, that makes sense. If they got sixth, yeah. But top four, maybe you know the first year that Arteta's really had his foothold on the team and like brought in all these players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe on some level you could say, oh, they're overachieving, especially with their performances lately. It's like oh, they're really surprising so yeah i mean good on them i mean like, like i said their their future is only it's only going to be brighter right who's that clark kent who just who just showed yeah. up on the bottom of the screen here i just i just showed up uh <laughs> took my cape off no, i took i changed my screen for a second i see some new guy yeah <laughs> um <laughs> uh two more teams to talk about um Rounding up the top six. Well, I mean, West Ham's there. We we never talk West Ham. We we have, we love West Ham. We yeah. love David Moyes. We love what he's done with the team. Mikel Antonio, what up, my boy? But we just don't give West Ham as much love as we should. Um, I mean, it's, they're just it's like the, Everton when David Moyes is coaching Everton. I know they're just there. They're just there. <laughs> it's just, it's just, just ever. There. They're just West Ham's the new Everton from two thousand like three or whatever it was. <laughs> they won't surprise you. They won't disappoint you. They're ever solid. They'll be solid. <laughs> and then like that one season in the next three yeah. or four years, they're actually going to qualify for Champions League because yeah. it's going to be tougher though than it was then because back then it was like just Man U, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, like three teams. Now it's like eight. So yeah. Tough. Um, right around that bubble though, Tottenham Hotspur. I know they oh, had yeah. a, they've had a tumultuous 2021 season. Yeah. Um, you know, where, Biggest where, ups and downs. Where we begin? Yeah. I mean, I'd put them up with like Chelsea, like high expectation last season. Yeah. Obviously, you know, with Pochettino leaving and the coaching carousel that happened, mm-hmm. with Mourinho and, and uh, who's the other guy? The Who's our boy? <laughs> Santo. Santo. Yeah. Let's go to Santo. And, and now with Conte and Harry Kane, his whole saga, like what, yeah. what, a, what a year time has had. Yeah, it's been just the biggest roller coaster right now. If you're a Tottenham fan, um, you're in a situation where you're just trying to build a massive team. You know, you have your your stadium that's been up for quite a while now, but obviously put a lot of money into the team to try and bring it to the next level. Um, and the carousel of just managers, which I think if I'm a Tottenham fan, I think I can rest a little easy with that because I do think Conte is the guy. Right now, I really see him just being, um, you know, their version of Klopp or Pep for their team. Uh, and now I think they just got to figure out uh, the squad. Um, in all fairness, you know, we were harping on Kane for the longest time. Um, it's really good to see him kind of get back into a little bit of form. You know, he's been scoring some goals. He had a really good goal disallowed uh, over, you know, this this little break. Uh but he's been playing well, you know, he's getting good positions. He's taking, you know, he's taking efforts on goal. He's being really optimistic going forward. So it's kind of good to see him getting back into it because for the longest time, he just looked like a player that wanted to leave. Right. Um, 
but honestly, with their with their goal differential, um, they aren't scoring a whole lot. You know, their goals against is at 20, 20 goals against, which isn't the worst, um, especially compared to uh, Liverpool, who's just two behind them. Their goal, their issue is, I think, goal scoring, but I don't think it comes from their strikers. I think with uh, Son and Kane, I think they're going to be fine. I think they just need an attacking mid- midfielder that's going to create uh, opportunities for them and just be another body for them going forward. That's not yeah. going to be um, just hanging around the midfield and just relying on Son and Kane to just deliver goals on what they produce. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Joe. No, that's what I was going to say. Um, you know, I think back to what Sant said, I think Conte, you know, winning the title before taking over Chelsea when they were in a rough spot, I think it was a great move by them because it's kind of a similar position with Tottenham. Like they're in a similar spot and he can get the most out of his players. So he's going to be someone to really hopefully take this team to the next level. Uh, it's just a question, you know, I don't think with the squad they have now, they can compete for the title. Like obviously... You can put question marks up against Conte all you want, but he has won the title before, which is huge. So it is a question, you know, can they build a squad with his system that can contend with the title? It might take a little bit longer, but, you know, I think it is more so now a question of, you know, filling some gaps in the team rather than, you know, oh, let's look for someone else as a manager. Um, You know, I think it's going to be another three to five year projects at Tottenham, you know, hopefully by then they can win a major, major trophy, but it's obviously going to be tough as obviously, as long as Pepper Clopper there. So we'll have to see. Yeah. It's very similar to Arsenal and Arteta. Like you have a manager in line. That's obviously really, really good, but you, <laughs> sorry, that was super distracting. <laughs> um, yeah. Manager in line. It's obviously like world class. Kelly just came down with a sock and started waving it around like a penis. Yeah. This hilarious. isn't getting deleted from the pod. Just no, we'll keep this. We'll keep this one. It was, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Kel for the shout out to Kel. Super. I'll reenact it real quick. <laughs> the sock. Very distracting. Um, wow. Okay. Um, Thanks Kelly. Love it. With, uh, with Antonio Conte <laughs> at Spurs. No, it's very similar to Arsenal. Um, that wave in the sock, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wave the sock. No, similar to Arsenal. Get the YouTube with... guy do hashtag uh, Arsenal wave hashtag the sock. Sock. <laughs> sock sock dong. Um, <laughs> sock dong. Anyway, no, it's very similar with with uh, Antonio Conte and and Arteta. I think where you have a manager in line who's going to have his system. And you need to have a club and a team and, and fan base rally around him and support him and understand it's going to take more than, you know, just one season. Like, it's not like, yeah. it's not like Conte is going to come in here. Oh, sorry. It's not like Santo, uh, Espirito Santo is going to come in here. Nuno, I'll call him Nuno. It's not like Nuno is going to come in and be like the savior for, for Tottenham, right? Yeah, he wasn't gonna hop in the place and, and make them a, a contender right away. We mentioned yeah. before he was kind of down on their depth chart, even of managers that they wanted. So they just kind of got their guy now, maybe with Antonio Conte, and it's gonna take some time to to get the team going, to get the players that he wants. He hasn't had a transfer season yet. He's gonna have half a season right now, or half mm-hmm. a half a month. 
um, to get maybe players that he wants to bring in. And I think they're also a team that kind of has holes, holes and inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you can, you can pick and choose any team basically in the Premier League and have at least one or two holes in the side that were say it's okay. We would love to have a world class player here, like insert name in this yeah. position. Um, with Tottenham, I think it's a little more obvious that they do need a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, they had Christian Eriksen and they let him go to Inter. Yeah. And that was not, a huge loss for them. Oh, massive. And I was, I remember I was watching the, uh, the all for nothing uh, series with with Spurs when Mourinho was there, and it was during the whole saga of Ericsson going to Inter, and they tried to they tried to keep him as as hard as they could. They tried to keep him. They tried to re, uh, restructure a new contract. Uh, it wasn't going the way that they wanted to, but that's the kind of guy you got to pay. Like yeah. he's, he's a once in a lifetime player for Tottenham, and we've yeah. seen time and time again world class players be involved in the club at Tottenham, and then they go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Modric, Bale. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Ericsson was super influential last season with Inter winning the Scudetto in, in Italy. And, I mean, he could have been, like, the player that... Imagine, imagine like, a full season again with with Ericsson, Son, and Kane up, up top. Lucas Mora on, on the wing. Like, that's, yeah. that's massive. That's deadly. And maybe they did think they had some guys, like, in the Youth Academy, like, you know, Harry Winks or... This like skip guy, but skip. I don't know this, yeah. Maybe they thought they're kind of going to fill the void a little bit. You know, Delhi Alley was going to step up a little bit. He's kind of had a decline mm-hmm. the last couple of seasons. Um, but they still haven't filled that void. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Conte Conte style is more defensive, so I don't even know if he's going to go out there and try and find a playmaker. Yeah, in the next and in the next couple of transfers. Yeah, I wonder if if maybe that's um, who they're looking for with Winks and Skip and Holberg, where maybe he they might try and develop into more attacking players. But it's one of those positions you don't you're just that player. You don't yeah. really just you don't become that your... player. You are that player. Yeah. So I think they have to go to the transfer market, yeah. find someone. I don't know who they're gonna get, but that's that's the key for them. I think, and I don't think they're going to have a lot of success in winning trophies unless they fill that void. Cause I think everywhere else, I think they're solid enough. Um, obviously, you know, if city's going to keep going on this run, you're, you are going to have to get like extreme depth to your team if you want to compete with them. But that's, I think the first, uh, first spot they're going to have to look to get a playmaker in the number 10 role. And the last team to hit home on man United, of course, uh, they've had a very up and down, tumultuous, however you want to call it, 2021 season. A lot of bright spots actually coming out of it, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. They they obviously didn't perform the way they, the way they wanted to. Um, yeah. Aside, like United, they just want to. They want titles. They want wins. That's kind of what they expect. They finished like low key finished second last season. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, I was looking at it too, and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, like second last season. I mean, they were off by like 10 points from City. Yeah. Yeah, and they still made a really good run. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, if they were to finish it this season it, in second, it would be like the biggest accomplishment for them. Obviously, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I said bright spots, like obviously bringing in the likes of Ronaldo and Jay and Sancho. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are that's huge. Mm hmm. It was a kind of it was at the cost of the manager when you yep. look at it. 
But I think going forward, with Ragnik at the helm, I think they're in a better place with Sancho and Ronaldo with Ragnik as they were with Sancho, Ronaldo, and with Solskjaer. Yeah. Um, I think they got very complacent with Solskjaer. They, again, like coming off a second place finish last season in the league, uh, coming off a Europa League uh, final, which they ended up losing, but still coming off the final, they kind of had some like momentum coming into this season. And then it was just a collapse. Yeah. You know, the, the first half of the year. And I think under Ragnick, it's going to be almost like a tale of two seasons, um, just into the performance um, level of the team. I mean, four wins out of the last five, nothing to slow shot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're slowly trying to turn that goal differential a little more, more positive than what it used to be. I mean, I think it was like hovering around one or two or like minus one for a little while, but now it's plus four. Yeah. So they're trying to score more goals. They're trying to concede less, which is basically all you want the team. But I mean, sitting at 31 points, you know, he's 22 points off of first place. Like clearly there's no way of coming back. There's no way of them um, guaranteeing their spot in Champions League. I mean, those top three have kind of solidified between City, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Um, seven points separate third and fourth between Liverpool and Arsenal. So I don't think, you know, they're going to like guarantee their spot into that top three space. I mean, they could fight still for number four. Um, mm-hmm. They still could fight for Europe between the likes of West Ham and Tottenham. But 2021 as a, as a wrap for United, where are we standing? I mean, definitely a better spot than, you know, and like you said, they did finish second last year, but I think the fact that they didn't have an identity caught up with them this year. So I would say even after everything that's happened, they are in a decent spot. They have a good manager. They have a good system and players. So I think they're set up to at least contend for the top four with, with Solskjaer. It kind of looked like it was firing out of control. So mm-hmm. it's tough to say. We'll see next month or two where Manu really lies. Um, yeah, it's one of those wait and see type things. It's very hard to say. Still early stages with Ragnarok. Yeah. You know, just came in. Yeah, he's gotten quite a few wins. Uh, but, you know, we'll see, you know, when things get tough, if he can still bring the team together. Sadi? I mean, yeah, like you were saying, being f- four points back from Arsenal with two games in hand. Um, you know, making up that ground, all of a sudden you're sitting in fourth and you're in a really good spot. Yeah. And with the really good run of form and even watching them play, they look so much more balanced. You know, they're they're really performing well in games. And I think it's going to be a good year if they can keep this up. Um, I do still think there's a lot of gaps they need to fill in, um, speci- specifically in the McFred area of the field and uh, in defense. Um, I don't really know what's going on with McGuire. Um, he was always really solid and he's just been kind of exposed a little bit. Yeah. So I think, you know, they have Luke Shaw at the back, you know, and they can, they have a number of players they can play on the right side. So I think um, some shuffling in the middle of the park for them is going to go a long way. Uh, and other than that, I think they're, they're set, you know, as long as Ronaldo keeps playing uh, well in the system that Ragnarok has, uh, because I know his system is really inclined to young, uh, energetic players, but, you know, you know Ronaldo's just, just as energetic as, as any player when he wants to win as bad as he does. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a good year for them as long as they can fill in those gaps. I don't know who they're going to bring in. 
um, unless they just get Pogba back to playing as as he was, because right now he's just completely out of the team. Yeah, we can't forget that now with the new year, with January coming in, new transfer window for teams to splash the cash, right? Yeah. Um, try and fill some of the holes you were talking about. You know, Tottenham, like we said, maybe fill some gaps. Arsenal, maybe bring in a veteran player. And then, yeah, United. I'm um, trying to shore up that midfield because, you know, having having McTominay and Fred, a.k.a. McFred, together, that's not a really like good winning formula, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think McTominay can hang. I think he's almost like a yeah. Michael Carrick of, like, now. Like, he's very, like, aggressive. Um, he doesn't know get forward very often, but if he does, he can contribute kind of here and there. Yeah, and he can prove that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Goal, right? For sure. So I think he's kind of going to stay for the future, and obviously being a lot younger than Fred, his his name's kind of more like secure on on yeah. the team sheet. It's finding that other piece, mm-hmm. right? It's finding that that shirt up midfielder. I mean, I don't want to say a Pogba replacement because Pogba's obviously still there. He's been hurt a couple a uh, couple of weeks. You know, he was kind of getting pushed aside even like when Mourinho was there he was getting pushed aside and Solskjaer kind of didn't uh, choose him as often as as he would like to be uh, picked in the starting 11 but like you said if they can get him going I mean that's a world class player 100% yeah. mm-hmm. um, he's someone who they can feed off of and like build around as well and I think when Solskjaer was there it was like we said before like tons of times no identity it was yep. either they're going to be super attacking and be exposed at the back, or they're going to be super defensive and just sit back and not really produce anything going forward. And in a little time that Radnick is there, we've seen um, some glimpses of balance in in the side mm-hmm. where it's like it's not super attacking, it's not super defensive, it's very steady across the board. And yep. they take their chances when they come. They don't try and overachieve and like create chances out of nothing and get exposed. And I think that's kind of what Ragnar brings to the team. So it's just, it's just composure. It's just like settling down and like cooling the team because they just want to run wild at times, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like players like Rashford and Greenwood and Martial and Sancho, they just want to get the ball and just run. But you have to like slow the play sometimes. You have to be more composed. You have to build up the play like City does or Liverpool or, or Chelsea. You can't yep. just be always running and gun because then if you turn the ball over too quickly, your defense and your midfield are not good enough to stop a counterattack. Yeah, or heavy pressure. Yep. So I think under Rennick, it's going to kind of slow down a little bit the play. And like I said, they squeaked out four wins out of five uh, with the draw mixed in there. So they haven't dropped a game yet. I don't think under him um, in the Premier League. So obviously they're trending forward. Yeah, I mean the win, the games that they have won, I think they've like squeaked out one one nils, two ones. Like they're very close games still. Yeah, mm-hmm. they haven't really shown like a dominant performance. But I mean in in with United right now, they're not looking for that. They're not, they're not looking to dominate. They're not looking to just crush teams and they're not expected to, you know, make this giant leap forward. They're still figuring themselves out. Yeah. So, I mean, any positive yeah. result from their camp is obviously a step forward. Um, And yeah, I mean, they had the pieces there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> It, it's funny because it it feels like there's there's so much potential just lingering at menu, you know, yeah. especially with Pogba just you know being out of the team with injury, but he was also being left out a lot with Mourinho. Where if they can just get the best out of what they have, they would be super dangerous. It's just that's the struggle they're having right now is just 
uh, getting everyone playing at their best. Hopefully Ragnick can kind of bring that out of everyone. Uh, and I think honestly, he is probably the guy that could, um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I do honestly think if they finish in Champions League, there's going to be a serious talks of just leaving Ragnarok as a coach. Yeah. Uh, but of course, that's just speculation. You never know who could, they could bring in. I don't really see who they could with who's available. But uh, we'll, money, we'll see money what talks, though, man. Money yeah, talks. Does. I mean, like the pedigree of United too, right? Like the the club and like the name that can swing a lot of people's votes. I mean, that could swing a lot of people's decisions mm-hmm. in in leaving their clubs, even if they've been there for a long time. I mean. I mean, Zidane right now is a free agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't he's, think he's, he's going to go, though. I don't know either, but he gets slide in there. I mentioned Diego Simeone out of nowhere. I don't know where the hell that came from, <laughs> but I'm like, Atletico's kind of like found their their balance. They're not really doing too good, too bad. Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. Come to United. He's not, yeah, he knows how to win, happens. right? It's true. I mean, he uh, he's got a lot of Champions League experience. You know, oh, he's yeah. been done a lot of good things with Atletico. Uh, that would be an interesting thing. <laughs> I hope that happens. Like that, I pulled that literally out of my ass. Like one day, I was just like, Simeone. <laughs> like, yeah, why not? Right? Why not? I yeah, big profile move to United, and he's he ends up being the guy. That'd be wild. I mean, going yeah. back head to head with Pep again. Whew. Ooh, <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be crazy. Yeah, let's make it I mean, happen. It'll, pro- it'll probably be. <laughs> Honestly, it would probably be Poch to Menu and then Zidane to PSG. It's going to happen. Yeah, I see that. Ooh. Probably agree with that as most likely scenario. Yeah, Poch I, heard that, the... I heard that from somewhere. That wasn't me. Yeah, Poch knows, <laughs> knows the Joe. game. He knows the game. Yeah. Maybe. It's got potential. Yeah. Even though it probably should have been Conte to <laughs> Menu and then Poch back to Tottenham. That would have been the play. Yeah. Yeah. But I think United Manu dragged their feet. Waited too long and now. Well, they lost I mean, Tottenham played their cards though, man. They 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 did a good job. Yeah. Um, pulling away from from United. Mm. Um, speaking of United, they have a match tomorrow against Wolves to round out match day twenty one, and then it's a weird kind of break in the action where we have um, some games being made up midweek. Um, from like from either postponed games or delayed games because of either pro, uh, COVID protocol, or I think these even might be from some games that were like snowed out um, mm-hmm, from earlier yeah. in the season. So we got some midweek games taking place: uh, Everton, Leicester, Southampton, Brentford, and West Ham and Norwich. And then also mixed in there is the EFL Cup um, legs one and two. We have Chelsea taking on Tottenham in the semifinal, and then Arsenal taking on Liverpool in the semifinal as well. So um, those um, those are going to kick off. I think that's the Carabao Cup, EFL mm-hmm. Cup, whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. And then also before Premier League games come again, we have some FA Cup matches taking place um, throughout the league. It's, it's scattered out there. I'm not going to name off all the all the games. So the next time that we'll see uh, Premier League action will be the week of um, January 14th and 15th. Um, the mm-hmm. highlight match there for sure is Man City Chelsea, uh, January fifteenth, oh, yeah. Saturday morning, seven thirty match, the early morning game. I mean, Chelsea's got a schedule and a half coming up, man. Yeah, they, they got they got like I said, they have Tottenham twice in EFL Cups leg one and two. Uh, mixed in between that, they had the Man City game, and they face Tottenham again in the Premier League. So they play Tottenham three times in three weeks. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if they don't know the number by then, I don't know if the hell is going to go on. Those could be some crazy games. Like by the third game of that EFL Cup, like leg two, it could be an absolute <laughs> bloodbath. Like because those teams they will hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like, imagine like having Harry Kane and Antonio Rudiger, uh, Rudiger like match up with each other three games in a row for like three weeks. Yeah. Like, that could be <laughs> some guys butting heads right there for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be super intense. Um. And uh, as far as the Premier League wraps up for that weekend, um, uh, Aston Villa takes on United and Liverpool takes on Brentford on Sunday. And again, the North London Derby, Tottenham Arsenal. Uh, I mean, Arsenal came out and stomped him. Oh, Ars- wait, Arsenal stopped them 3 0 early in the season? Arsenal versus Tottenham. I think, Arsenal, I think Tottenham. so. I can't remember what happened that game. Arsenal came out, I think, and crushed him 3 0. 3 1. 3 1. Yeah. September. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's September. 3 1 Arsenal. So this is the return leg um, taking place on Sunday, the 16th. The game will be at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So even though it's a North London Derby, it'll be at Tottenham Stadium. So they'll be the home team there. I mean, that'll be a spicy meatball, too, man. It's got mm-hmm. major implications on. Yeah. yeah. On the league and how the table's going to fix um, uh, mix up, only separated by two points right now. Tottenham with two games in hand, so they can clearly, um, you know, make the best of it and jump ahead. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's safe to say that the top three, pending any crazy, crazy injuries yeah. or circumstances, I think the top three are safe. Yeah, for what they're going to be at, they might shuffle between Chelsea and Liverpool, but I mean, Man City is the runaway. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And number four is just up there for grabs right now. I think it's yeah. going to be interesting with Arsenal, Tottenham, two, two teams, teams uh, in good, uh, good form, form right now, now. Uh, uh, going on the up and up. We'll see who uh, who breaks on that one. Yep. Or if they share the points. I'm leaning towards Arsenal, but we'll see. I mean, it's always an exciting battle. I love it. Like, I mean, the the implications of, of fourth to fifth, and obviously sixth getting nothing. But between Champions League and Europa League, it's huge. Yeah. The difference. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, like I said, if you're if you're the third wheel there and you finish sixth place, like sorry about your luck, but like you get absolutely yeah. just shafted, right? Yeah, yeah. I get nothing. Um, just to throw it to the reverse end of the of the table, I mean, lowly Norwich. It's kind of crazy. They've only won two games, right? Like I'm looking at the stats right now. They've won two games, tied four with ten points. Yeah. Burnley and Newcastle have one win each, and they're actually ahead of them. Because they have yeah, eight draws a piece, a lot of draws, and they'll be kicking themselves with all those draws. I mean, mm-hmm. um, obviously some, some of those are are they're lucky to get a draw, but yeah, you know, those are the results you have to get if you if you want to stay up. Eight draws. The only two with more draws is is Brighton with nine, and they're sitting in eighth place. I mean, you yeah. throw six wins on top of that, opposed to one, one, and two for the for the bottom three, like. Yeah, like you got to win the games, you got to win. Like those those eight draws were not against world beaters, right? Like those mm-hmm. eight draws weren't against the top eight. Mm-hmm. You know, they're drawing against Leeds, they're drawing against Watford, they're drawing against Southampton. I think they drew against themselves. <laughs> I think Newcastle <laughs> and Norwich drew each other. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, yeah. My Newcastle I mean, boys, man. You guys, Eddie mm-hmm. Howe, you got to make me look proud. You got to make me look smart here for a little bit. Get the hell out of relegation. Yeah, and I mean, win a game, win one game, what, out. and it's, like even Leeds are pulling away too. 
Um, it's going to be a battle between Wofford, Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich. And if I'm telling you, if Newcastle goes down, it'll be disaster city for the, like those new owners. Cause they, will they resell the team? Um, that would just be terrible business. It's going to be worth like, I don't even know how much less. And but those you know, players are going to leave too. Yeah. And if that happens, I know this has been like two or three years coming where they try to sell Newcastle and it was, yeah. Like, yeah. Shit show. Yeah. And now they bought them this year for whatever reason. And they're in like the worst spot they've been in for several years. Yeah. I think the team value is going to drop. The players are going to leave, which mm-hmm. is going to drop the value of the team even more. And like we've seen before, it's very hard to climb out of relegation within the first one or two seasons. Yeah. Like, I mean, Sunderland, especially dropping down two divisions after they got relegated. It's hard to climb back up right away because, like I said, you do get decimated because there are a lot of these teams do have quality players. Mm-hmm. Like Jolington and St. Maximin from Newcastle, those are quality players. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Frazier? Ryan Ryan Frazier or something like that? Yeah. That's his name? Um, him, he came from Bournemouth, I believe. When they got relegated, he jumped to Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, a player like him, too, like quality player. Like you can, yeah. you can easily fit in somewhere on on maybe not starting eleven, but he can get in with a new cap, with a Crystal Palace or somebody. Yeah, so these guys are going to leave. I mean, here's gonna like, be- they're going to be in the they're going to be in the league two for two seasons at least. I mean, it goes without saying, this is what's going to happen. Two things: <laughs> they'll either get relegated, and the team will like fall apart, and then the owners will resell, and that'll be the end of Newcastle. Or they'll get relegated, come back up, and it'll be like this whole rise from the ashes, Phoenix thing, and they'll buy like a bunch of. <laughs> That'll be funny. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm rooting for a man. I mean, I really hope they stay up. I want to see. I do too. Just another massive club uh, with all that money, just seeing what type of team they can build and just be another team hanging out in the top half of the table and competing for, for Europe. Yep. Because uh, that'll make it more exciting. And right now, obviously, they don't have the team to do it. You can have to rebuild, but that's going to be just a massive mountain to climb if they don't stay up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll, we'll end on this. I, mean, I watched a, I saw a clip today. It's about two minutes long. It was a discussion between a Man City supporter and an Arsenal supporter. And they were a couple years older than us, probably in their 30s or 40s. And this guy from Man City was wearing like an older, like '90s Umbro Man City jersey, and the question was proposed to him: like, what do you think about Man City being a club that just buys the Premier League? Like they just buy a title, basically saying that they spend money like crazy and they just buy all these players, and that's how they win the title. And he gave one of the more passionate and honest answers I've ever heard. Basically saying that like he was there in 1992 when they were battling in League Two against like Barnsley, and he went to Scunthorpe away to watch a match in like League Three and all this kind of stuff, and how they Man City has no history and blah 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 and all this stuff. They do have a history; they don't have a winning history, but they have a history that's proud to the Man City faithful. Mm-hmm. And he was super appreciative, obviously, of like. The, the owners that came in and bought City however many years ago. Because that's every team's dream, right? Of course, everyone dreams to have an owner come in with, with billions and billions of dollars and buy the team up. Yeah. Does it happen to every club? No, of course not. 
the fact that it happened in Man City, this guy was again, it was super thankful, super appreciative. But he was saying that he was in those dog shit days with Man City, you know, in the mud trying to scruff out a win against some Premier League two side just to get promoted to the to the to the Premier League. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even though Man City is kind of like my rival of a team right now because of the success that they've had in recent years and how good they are and I kind of envy them. Not every team has a historic past where they just win everything, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a past. Right. That doesn't mean they don't have a history. The teams like Newcastle have obviously a winning history dating back to the seventies and eighties and even before that. But it's just good to see like the passion that's still there with the fans that have been there before, before the teams were bought in, you know, before the Abramoviches came in before the, I think, I think his name's like, Sheikh Mansour for free uh, yeah. city before they came in. There's still history in the clubs. Yeah. And the, the supporters know what it was like to be a supporter before it was like a winning side before it was a bandwagon club. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's just kind of a cool little clip that I saw. Um, yeah. And the guy was tearing up. Like, he was tearing up talking about it. Yeah. Cause like he said, he's been through the shit. Like he knows the, the bad side of, of football. Yeah. So um, no, and- it was just, it was just cool to watch. Yeah, I mean that's 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 an ideal scenario as a as a fan, right? Especially when you're you know ten years old and you're seeing Man City, like you said, playing in it's in these terrible situations where you're playing at the bottom of the table or in like another division, and all of a sudden you come in and now you're playing in this brand new stadium, packed. You have the best team in the world playing amazing football that you never thought you'd be able to play, and it just goes to show how meaningful it is to people when you can support a club in like really bad times. And it just means that much more when you start turning into a massive club, that's just making winning a habit. Uh, Cause that's, that'd be awesome. I mean, can you imagine when you were, if you're 14, you're watching uh, Windsor stars here. Yeah. Like, you know, being in that situation, all of a sudden new ownership comes in all of a sudden Canada gets somehow another EPL team or a, MLS team, a MLS team, yeah, and then you're just playing in MLS. Like how how massive that would be for you? It'd be so. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, he made th- this guy in the interview made a funny joke saying how his son is like in his teenager years, and he's like, my son's been to Wembley thirteen times, and he's sick and tired of going there. He thinks it's boring because we just win all the time. And he's yeah. like, I smack him in the back of the head. He's like, do you know how lucky you are? <laughs> like, yeah, you've seen this many titles. You've been to Wembley this many times. He's like, I would die to be there. I've been to Wembley like twice. He's like, he said before. Man City became the new Man yeah. City. Yeah, uh, it's just it was wild. It was wild to to actually hear from a real Man City perspective. Um, you know how it was before the, yeah. the money came into play. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yeah, it was really it was nice to hear. Um, you know, on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here, boys. If we're all good, yeah, we're good. All good. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. To this episode you can find us on twitter find us on instagram find us on youtube search footy fans podcast p-h-a-n-s as always we will check in next week after all of the week's action see you everyone see you guys ciao